that due to technical difficulties, I was cut off. And so that's the history lesson right there is what happened in television. That history making, you've got a husband and wife who are running the show. The production company is Desi Lou Productions. But if it were in a different world, it would have been Lou Desi Productions. But it wasn't. It was Desi Lou. So you have, you know, a cute, the first Cuban on television in, in, a, in a situation comedy. I Love Lucy. And then you have Lucio Ball, who is not only the actress, but running the show. And so to have someone play them, people have tried to play them before. And, you know, yeah, it was it was interesting to watch. I will say they didn't entirely look like them, but that's not how you tell a story. But they did embody them. They did embody them. And I felt I didn't feel like I was watching Nicole Kidman. I felt like I was watching Lucille Ball and I felt like I was watching Desi Arnaz. I didn't feel like I was watching Javier Bardem. So, yeah, it was very well done. And um, that's Dr. Seuss Film Podcast for tonight. Unpleasant dreams and good luck at the Academy Awards. Good evening and welcome to the Dr. Seuss Film Podcast. I am very aware this is wartime. And I want to send my, well, I want to send love and hopefully resolution to Zelensky and the Ukrainian people. He used to be an actor. He was a comedian. And so I send that that love to him as well as all of Ukraine. And these are crazy, crazy times. To think that we just went through a pandemic. And now this. War is... War is crazy. It truly is. It should not be romanticized. There is nothing gung-ho about going to war. And the mental, I mean, what happens mentally? Don't worry, I'm not going to get political. But I wanted to send my love to Ukraine. And just talk about film and music and how, how we escape the escapism, but at the same time, how art imitates life. Life imitates art. Right now, I'm watching Midnight Express. And recently, or about a week ago, I was talking about Alan Parker, his directorial moments. Um, Midnight Express is so shocking. I mean, you, okay, this character's caught smuggling he ends up in a hellish Turkish prison Turkish prison not Turkish delight a Turkish prison and it is disturbing 
the first time I had heard of it, I, you know, I, I knew Alan Parker had directed it. It's just one of those films, and it's not Orange is New Black. I think even even Martha Stewart had some harsh words to say about Orange is the New Black. And I used to watch it, but after a while, you're like, okay. All right. There's a lot going on. And there's a lot of movies to watch. I, you know, I'm still debating whether to go back and press play on The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Because it did make me laugh. Uh, I do plan to watch um, Belfast. And then I plan to watch another one that a friend recommended. And so I'm going to... I And then another friend told me that it was good. And um, where is it? Here we go. Old Henry. Old Henry isn't nominated for anything, and who really cares? I was going to do a show just going off on the Academy, but the Academy really and ABC can dig their own holes because they have decided that for, for ratings purposes, they're not going to air certain categories on the Oscars. Because they threatened the Academy and probably the Academy was like, fine. And their enchanting little producer, whom I have tweeted, and um, he's not going to respond to me. But I'm going to call him out (laughs) because this is my film podcast. And no, I shouldn't call him out by whatever. I'm sure they'll I'm sure they'll they'll fix it. <sighs> Hypocrites. That's what it is. So I'm going to read the following things to you. Oh, the producer defends Oscar revamp. How quaint. What a load of shit. Here we go. The following will not be aired during the live telecast, but filmed and edited before. Documentary short, film editing, makeup, hairstyling, original score, production design, animated short, live action short, and sound. Interesting. You know, those integral parts all take what it, all require what it takes to make a film. Here we go. Oh, the enchanting little Oscar producer defends the revamp. Nobody is going to be shortchanged. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, and he goes on to say this. We have to understand the Academy Awards show, as we know it, is an inflection point. The next coming years, especially this year, are going to be our hard bringer for what the show will become. Oh, a Grammy Award show? He adds that you have to say something else and you have to think about this as an entertainment property. The Oscars are no different than any of the other award shows that are having the same challenges. Really? Then move it from ABC 
to HBO. The Academy, or ABC, made them do this, announced on February 22nd that several major categories would not be presented live on air to deliver a more streamlined and television-friendly experience. Fuck that. The awards that will be handed out earlier in the ceremony are for documentary short, film editing, makeup and hairstyling, original score, production design, animated short, live-action short, and sound. Outgoing CEO Don Hudson has said the decision was made by the show's producers, Academy officers, and awards committees. Well, fuck the Academy and fuck ABC. And I hope those guilds, uh, I'm, I'm talking to you, to the guilds. Come on, let's go. I'm, I'm in there with you. I really, really am. So, to the Editor's Guild, the Editor's Branch, the Documentary Short Branch, the Makeup Branch, the Hairstyling Branch, the Score Branch, Production Design, Animated Short, Live Action Short, and Sound Branches, I urge you to boycott. If they're not going to air your speeches on a live broadcast, which they have been doing for decades, and if they're not going to give you that time, then don't go. Don't go what I say don't go and I am going to name the producer his name is Will Packer the producer of this year's Oscars oh what what has Will Packer done lately you know when you say you're going to revamp the telecast that means you're going to neuter it you're going to cut its balls off okay Interesting. You're going to produce the Oscars, huh? You're going to produce them. Interesting. Interesting. Or not interesting. So that's all I have to say about that. Because in a world of truth and in a world of bullshit, I'm going to say that. And it may not matter to many of you. But it does matter to those within those branches, within those guilds. What are they going to do next? Are they going to not air director and screenwriter and just, oh, it will be before the show. Then it turns into the Grammy Awards. And all they're going to air are the acting awards. That's it. Yeah. That's, That's not what makes a movie. Think about it. Think of a think of the documentaries. Hmm? Think of animation. It takes all of those within the guilds and within those technical branches to make a fucking film. Will Packer, are you listening? I hope you are. And I'm going to tag you in this. And I'm going to tag I'm going to tag the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, which probably should just be called the Academy of Shame. Because this has been a broadcast since the nineteen uh, late 1930s on the radio. Then it came to television in the 50s. And Lauren Bacall once said, you know, back then it, everyone felt they knew each other. And then when she was nominated, it was all about television. It was all about ratings. And that's where the Oscars lost its luster. 
because now it's like everyone could win an Oscar. The cat could win an Oscar. That pet shark could win an Oscar. And God forbid, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air could win an Oscar. Why? Well, it's not the Oscars anymore. It is a shit show. It is a major, major shit show. So those of you who work in the technical branches, this is the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. I am a podcast. And hopefully one voice matters. I urge you to boycott the Academy Awards. Watch it, yes. Just to see what they do. This is, this is, like I said, some may not care, but I care. I care. Because as a filmmaker myself, and as an artist myself, and a documentarian, I understand what it takes to make these films. It does not begin with the actors. It does not begin with the glamour and the glitz. And even Betty Davis said that once about the reality of being a star. Now now it's about getting it fast. And that's why people don't last. And that rhymed. I wish I wish um someone like Betty Davis were around because she would say, we need to get tough. She used to be a president of the Academy. She was the first female president of the Academy. And this is her and Dick Cavett talking about ingratitude in Hollywood. or does something dramatic and they always say uh, and those who hate it the writers and the actors always say I'm saving this for my book I'm going to write a book about it and yeah. what, what, what are the, what's the best book written about Hollywood has there ever been one that told it as it is I think uh, Bud Schulberg's what makes uh, Sammy run yeah. Yeah. that yeah. is the best book to describe what those incredible men that we worked for that seemed to us so inartistic and so lacking in knowledge of the of the art part of making a movie that they had something and they had something you don't know what it was it was a kind of a magic gambling intuitive thing that has gone we now have oil companies owning the studios it's all business today and those men that were they were exasperating because they there was no way of communicating with the way they thought that they boy gave us our chances they gambled think of the money they gambled on someone like me before the money really started coming back they gambled gambling has gone i mean you don't on a set today dare play some little joke some people come up and say come on come on costing money so all the fun has even gone out. We used to pull gags on sets. We made pictures in four and five weeks. Way back there, dark picture was made in four weeks. We didn't waste any time. We had a little fun. Because it's a very long day, you know. W- would it be wrong to say it was affection you had for those men, though? I mean, how do you feel about the fact that if you had bombed in three more movies in a row at a certain point in your career, uh, you would not have been able to get them on the phone again the rest of your life? They would just well, I would just, I would just walk into the office and sat. Yeah. If I wanted to get them. <laughs> yeah. You know, really. Uh, I must say I never couldn't get in and see Jack. And, I, it could, and the other thing I always could go to him, because he was the head man. If I go through ten other people with messages, we with all the talk and all the 
smashing relationship and one thing he did respect me because at least i was honest and came out and said what was what and see honesty is betty davis's middle name and i wish we had someone along those lines fighting um Technical categories. We're gonna cut the technical categories. Mm. And yet they didn't mind announcing them with the rest of the nominations. This is, um, I'm at a loss for words. So, yeah. The, the Academy should be really ashamed of themselves, but hey. It's all about ratings, isn't it, you, you uh, pompous motherfuckers? It's all about ratings. Okay. And probably we should just get rid of the Oscars. We should just get rid of them. They hold no merit anymore. Because once you cut those, just just imagine. Just imagine what else they're going to cut. For their, pretty soon, all that you're going to see is Best Picture. That's all you're going to see. They're going to cut the categories. And, um, oh, this is perfect. These are some stars who are pissed. And I'm going to have them on the show. This is. Yeah, it's the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast, and it's, it's, we need to have a, a chorus here. Uh, announcing the four categories that we will be presented during commercial breaks in order to save time. Yeah, so they announced that the best cinematography, best editing, best hair and makeup, and best live action short will all be presented during the commercial breaks. Hollywood is not happy about this with Oscar and Russell Crowe tweeting, the Academy is removing cinematography, editing, makeup from the televised show. This is just such a fundamentally stupid decision. I'm not even That's from 2019. And here we are. They want to do it again. And last time there was outrage. And last time they didn't do it. So, and I apologize for that. I thought it was current footage. But I urge all of you, if you are in those technical categories, 
those branches that are very important. It's not just about the actor's branch. I want to see the cinematography. I want to see the film editing. I want to see the sound. I want to see the makeup and hairstyling. Very essential to making a film. Does ABC see that? No. No, they don't. They just see ratings. Does the Academy uh, of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences see that? I don't think so anymore. I think they have lost really the glit. I'm not going to say that word. I think they have lost the true gold of what an Oscar really represents. And, you know, and and then uh, in this aspect, I think that uh, George C. Scott was right. It is a meat race. Think of it. They gave the Oscar to Kevin Costner for Dances with Wolves over Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas. Let that sink in. Let that sink in the many times that they didn't give it to Al Pacino. They gave it to him for Scent of a Woman. Two up. Remember that? They didn't give it to him for Godfather 1 and 2 or Serpico or Dog Day Afternoon. Mm-hmm. Glenn Close has never won. Peter O'Toole was given an honorary Oscar. Honorary is, is basically fuck off. Sometimes. So I'm going to end this show tonight because I'm, you know, semi-upset. I, I have a feeling something's going to work out. Uh, Peter O'Toole, he was once asked, the Oscars, do you care? Yes, of course. Statues made of snow. Oh, I'm not dead yet. And that was true. And he was nominated for Venus in 2006. And he didn't win. It was sad. And you could you could see it on Peter O'Toole's face. That was it. That's all, folks. Heartbreaking. And at the end of the day, it's an award. It's an award. Just think of the history, and I urge all of you to Google the history of the Academy Awards. Why they were really founded. The whole principle behind the thing the different branches because that's the you know on the award itself if you look at the different rings those represent the different branches of film what it takes to make a film keep that in mind so to the academy of motion picture arts and sciences i say get it together or this award show will cease to exist and to the producers and abc who want to turn this into like a VMA type of American Music Awards thing. Seriously. Seriously. Get a life. Unpleasant dreams.
starts creating deep emotions. Yeah. With grace. Well said, sir. Thank you. Good evening and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. That, of course, is Lou Reed being interviewed in 1998 and he was right in terms of an artist knowing their audience Lou Reed knew that with headphones you're his I'm one of those people who listen to Lou Reed that's true you put your headphones on you listen to Lou Reed very rarely do you play him through a speaker maybe in the car um very poetic very you know most most singers and songwriters were writing songs about falling in love and Lou Reed was like no I'm, I'm gonna write the song like it's a novel which he did and um, I think he he further established that he went to uh, Syracuse University and that's where he met a lot of like-minded individuals um, but from the Velvet Underground to his solo career he was the poet of the city he was the poet of the sea when when if you were not aware of new york city and you were not aware of the the under the underbelly of new york you could just listen to lou reed and he's going to tell you about it you know whether it's take a walk on the wild side or um i'm waiting for the man if you don't know what that's about then look it up okay i'll tell you it's about drugs i'm waiting for the man 26 dollars in my hand back then you couldn't say you know, I'm, I want drugs in a song, but he was able to under, you know, <laughs> probably also because Andy Warhol was their producer. The Velvet Underground basically came under the tutelage of Andy Warhol. And the record company would be like, oh my God, we don't need to stand and listen to this crap. And Andy's like, oh no, they're doing good. And you know, they were, they were the factory band essentially played at the factory they played at the silver factory um and then they brought in nico the german model and yeah but it furthered you know when the velvet underground broke up lou reed he you know i think he went back home and worked for his father and then him and david bowie got together with mick ronson and the rest is rock history and today would have been Lou Reed's 80th birthday. He was born Lewis Allen Reed, New York, on March 2nd, 1942. He died October 27th, 2013. And so I thought I would briefly talk about him because we're, we're going to talk about a movie tonight. But Lou Reed, I mean, those songs, those songs are like epic films. You know, uh, you want to talk about legendary hearts and you want to talk about Take a Walk on the Wild Side where he says, you know, um, shaved her, shaved her legs. And then he was a she. I said, hey, babe, take a walk on the wild side. Yeah, those songs. And then Velvet Underground. The first time I heard the Velvet Underground, I couldn't believe what I was hearing because I knew it was an album from the 60s. But then you don't want to think, oh, OK, counterculture this was something beyond the hippies in fact half the factory people including um forget her name she hated hippies so them going to play san francisco was a little 
interesting. <laughs> Lou Reed wrote these songs. I mean, he talked about he wrote a song about heroin. He wrote um Well, you know, I'm waiting for the man. And then um what's another one? There's that famous album cover of the banana. And if you peel it, you'll see. (laughs) It was done by Andy Warhol. It was very elaborate. You know, this is when art and music and film and multimedia kind of got together and had a baby. And a lot of what bands do now, we take for granted. Because back then in the 60s, what, what Andy Warhol's intention was... He would have the, so he had the Velvet Underground play at St. Mark's Place, and then he would project these images on this back wall, and then people would be dancing, and one person's pretending to put, pretending to inject a hypodermic needle when it's really a ballpoint pen. Yeah, I mean these songs, you know, from Sunday Morning, I'm Waiting for the Man, Femme Fatale, Venus and Furs, so amazing, Run Run Run, All Tomorrow's Parties, Heroin. There she goes again. I'll be your mirror. The Black Angels' death song, European sung. In um, 2000, and, was it in 2020? It's hard to believe. You know, there. Um, it, it was Brian Eno who said that everyone who listened to the Velvet Underground went and started a band, which is true. And and that 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 imagery and the 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 music and i mean it was kind of the east coast version of the doors if you think about it because this was this was thinking man's music this was going into something deep something dark something penetrating okay this was not a flower power band and there was a really great documentary that should have been nominated for an oscar but it wasn't so fuck them um I know that they had participation through um, the families of Sterling Morrison, who's no longer with us, and Lou Reed, who's no longer with us, through his wife, uh, Laurie Anderson, who also is a very penetrating artist herself. So much so that she did the narration of Rick Burns' documentary on Andy Warhol. It was a two-parter. This was a long thing. And, And the whole relationship between Lou Reed and Andy Warhol. You know, Andy Warhol one time said to Lou, why didn't, why didn't you write a song for me? And he's like, oh, what kind of a song? Vicious. Vicious? He's like, vicious, I hit you with a flower. And Lou liked that lyrical archetype. It's like, okay, vicious, I hit you with a flower. And then Perfect Day. Perfect Day is such a beautiful song. Legendary Hearts is one of my favorites. Um... Whenever I want to think of my friends who were in New York, I just put on Lou Reed's 1989 uh, New York album. And there's a really great song on there called Halloween Parade. And it just it just goes into these these soundscapes. Uh, the, I mean, the lyrics that the whole album is great. You've got Dirty Boulevard. You've got Endless Cycle. You've got Halloween Parade. You've got There Is No Time. It's just a great album. It really is. 
And that's a testament to Lou Reed. You know, Lou Reed would write these lyrics, and it was an epic poem. It was an epic movie. And what he was able to do with the imagery, and then, you know, the black, come on, the wraparound shades, that the leather jacket, I mean, come on, that was... If you, if you want someone who represents New York cool, it's Lou Reed. And Todd, Todd Haynes did a really great documentary. I, it really moved me in 2021, uh, The Velvet Underground. And it was so prolific. And it, it, it opens with Venus and Furs. So when you've opened with Venus and Furs, you have to go somewhere. And I, I just love the music. I love the music. I love the band. Um, if I can, you know, because it, it started out with the Velvet Underground. And then it went further. And what, what, what Lou Reed was able to do to just tap into it, it was truly astonishing. So... Here we go. We're going to play some music. I might get pulled, but it's this is for Lou Reed. So that was released back in October to Apple TV+. Plus. Yes, there was some music playing. So I will give a copyright to 1967 and 1970, The Velvet Underground, Capitol Records, EMI, I'm sure. And just talk to you on your headphones, as Lou Reed would do. And he still talks to me. I was listening to those songs today, and I mean, they're, they're everyday. They're... And, and what Todd Haynes did 
it's almost like he he brought the Velvet Underground back to life for that moment I watched the documentary and I was I was astounded I I was truly moved by this documentary and it and also it reminded us you know of, of Lou Reed's brilliance and of the whole band itself and um yeah, I was, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm always gonna be a Velvet Underground fan. I'm always going to be a Lou Reed fan. Lou Reed really. I mean, you think of, you think of what he, he really put himself out there. And then you learn about Lou Reed, and it's like it was not always hunky dory, as his friend David Bowie would say. You know, David Bowie went on to produce along with Mick Ronson, um, uh, Lou's Transformer album. That, that's such an amazing album. And I, I wanted to just talk about Lou today because, you know, 80 years, come on. Um, if, he, if he were here, it would be amazing. I'm sure he'd probably think Kanye is, uh, needs help. You know, uh, he wrote a really, pro- well, he was not doing well in 2013. That was the year he died. He wrote a really prolific piece on Kanye West's album, Yeezus. He was, he was not totally into it, but he said what he has done has broken new ground in popular music. And that says something, that someone who from his era, the 1960s and 70s and 80s and 90s, himself was also a prolific person who went outside the box and put the flag there and said, okay, this is this is the music of today. This is the image of today. This is this is me being my own person. And he and he really drew, drew to that. And that and you know that's that's a test. He Lou Reed had that voice. When you heard him speak or when you heard him sing, when you heard a portion of of uh, Venus and Furs and Heroin and Sweet Jane. And he just had that voice, and it was speaking directly to the audience. And it's true what that gentleman said, that the Velvet Underground could hypnotize you. From the first time I heard Venus and Furs, and you hear the drone, done so beautifully by John Cale. And then Lou Reed's voice comes in, and then the lyrics, that was the other thing. Back then, you know, the lyrics were like, oh, happy, happy, go, go, I'm in love, yo, yo, whatever. And the Velvet Underground, I mean, these were some, the, you thought the Doors had dark, dark lyrics? You know, the Doors are talking about the Oedipus Complex and, you know, lost in a Roman wilderness of pain. And all the children are insane, because they were insane. The hippies were insane. <coughs> but with the Velvet Underground, you think about those lyrics, and he's like, shiny, shiny, shiny boots of leather. He's obviously talking about sadomasochism song heroin where he's talking about drugs or I'm waiting for the man $26 in my hand what do you think he's talking about okay but it all it all goes back to perfect day you know um, or, and, and how lyrically he is just being distinctive in the detail you know um, in sa- eats drink sangre, sangria in the park and then at later when it gets dark a movie and then home I mean, just lyrically, how Lou Reed would just layer it, stack it. It was amazing. Um, from Transformer to 
Street Hassle to Legendary Hearts to New York NYC Man. He even did um, The Raven, yeah, <laughs> um, in the 2000s. And then in 2000 and 2007, he did a really great duet with The Killers called um, Tranquilize. And then he did an album called Lulu with the band Metallica. And people just wrote it off, but Metallica later said they were very proud of that album, as was Lou Reed, because, you know, what Lou Reed conjured sonically, other people couldn't conjure. And so I thought tonight we would just talk about that. And to my NYC fans, um, my NYC friends, basically, who, I mean, I, I, well, I'll, I'll mention him, Carlos who I have already told him I want him on the show when it's when he's ready. Carlos um, one time got to stand next to Lou Reed, and he told me that Lou Reed was kind of short. So I was like, oh, shit. And he's like, and I got all excited. And I said, you stood next to Lou Reed? And he's like, yeah. And I said, I may be in California, but I know who the fuck Lou Reed is. Come on. I grew up listening to the Velvet Underground and his solo stuff, you know. Um, but yeah, if we bring it all the way back to the beginning of Lou Reed in that interview, saying, with headphones, you're mine, and that is true. With headphones, we're his. We will always be his. And so 80 years of Lou Reed, I don't know what to tell you. Um, wherever Lou is, thank you for the music, and thank you for this individualism that really didn't exist at that moment and you put the you drop the rock in the water and pebble and ripples and we're, we are all better off in terms of your lyrics and in terms of you being yourself on record your storytelling and the, just the voice the voice alone that speaks to so many people throughout the ages so happy birthday Lou Reed 80 years of Lou Reed Lewis Allen Reed Always say, always say that name, Lou, because he was so cool. Lou Reed. Whenever I put the shades on, I that's that's the Lou Reed look. Come on, so unpleasant dreams. Mm-hmm. 